Thank you for tuning in. We'll get to your program right after this short word from our sponsor. In your company, a challenge? Are you battling turnover and struggling to draw key talent? Is your team not performing at the level you want? Problems present themselves through conflict, miscommunication, creative differences, unclear expectations, and motivational issues. ARC Integrated is here to address these challenges through executive coaching and customized interactive trainings. Create lasting positive change that will improve your bottom line and create a culture that attracts talent and reduces turnover by going to arcintegrated.com. That's arcintegrated.com. What if investing in each other could change the world? I'm Joel Skeen with bizradio.us, and this is the Mindful Marketplace. And today is going to be a really good one. I have on Michael Truffa and Tom Mock from Score Business Mentors. We're going to be talking about the kind of support that they lend to the local economy, um, local economies, I should say, not just here locally in Western North Carolina, where we are based at bizradio.us, but as an organization across the company, they're making a huge impact. Um, and I'm excited to talk about it because I really feel like it falls right in line with the whole point of our show, if you're new to the Mindful Marketplace, this is the show where we talk to entrepreneurs, we talk to business leaders, industry leaders, um, investors, and community development organizations and economists to really kind of answer the question, what if investing in each other could change the world? What if business could be used for good, not just to make a profit, but really to invest back into our local communities and to help solve the problems that we face on a deeper level? Um, and I am really excited to get to talk to these guys because, you know, when we talk about that, there's a handful of different areas that we can focus on. Recently, I've had on Julie Weirich, and um, who's a sustainable investment counselor as well as Gilly from Ware Asheville to talk about doing business sustainably and doing investments sustainably. Um, also talked recently to some really fantastic companies who are leading the way on community engagement and giving back to their local communities like uh, Witt Zay and Meredith Ellison from Quility Insurance and all of the social enterprise um, companies that we've talked to in the past. Um, I could, I, there's a long list of them here, but companies that are doing business with a mission to impact their local communities. Um, also talk to several folks about the internal workings of companies. How can we have better cultures, better governance, and better leadership? Uh, go back and listen to my episodes with Drew McClure and Michael Dietrich Chastain on that issue. Um, but one of, the, one of the topics that's really at the heart of this is localism. You know, we know by now, most of us know that it's better to spend our dollars at a local business, a local independent company, than it is to spend it at a national brand. Um, first of all, those that money ends up staying much more local in your community, obviously. Um, but it also really feeds into all of those other topics. The more you, the more strength we have in our local independent businesses, the more resilient we are as an economy, and the better things are for all of us. Local independent businesses actually make up about two-thirds of the jobs that are created in our country, and about half of our GDP comes from local independent businesses. Um, and yet, they do all of that without nearly the amount of funding and investment dollars that the big guys get to have. And so, what I'm excited to dig in with Mike and Tom here is just in how they help create that and how they help support that local independent business community um, and how they do that with SCORE. So Mike and Tom, welcome 
to the show here today. Really glad to have both of you on. Thanks, Joel. Uh, thanks, thanks, Joel. <laughs> yeah, don't don't worry about talking over each other. <laughs> we'll be we'll be fine. I'm sure it'll happen. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, I would love to first just open the question up um, to either of you. You know, what is SCORE and kind of why does it exist? SCORE is uh, an all volunteer organization that's in part funded by the U.S. Small Business Administration, and its its purpose for existence is to help small businesses get started and thrive. Um, we focus on providing one-on-one -on -one mentoring services and also on education services for small businesses. So what we're trying to do is make sure that small businesses have the tools that they need to get started, succeed, and thrive. Yeah, and I'm, I've noticed here on y'all's website that you have something really near the top of a page here that says, small businesses are critical to, a vi to vibrant communities in our society. Um, why is that Why is that important to um, us as a society, but also why is it important to each of you? You know, I think it, it, as a society, most of the job creation in America comes from small businesses. So having a thriving small business community helps the overall economic situation and also just helps the employment situation in particular areas. I joined SCORE because I moved here from Washington, D.C. And one of the things I observed shortly after I moved here was that while in big cities, there are career paths that people can create for themselves that, you know, that can create prosperity for them and their families. That sort of opportunity doesn't really exist in a lot of smaller communities like Asheville. So for a lot of people, economic mobility means small business. And, and when you get outside of Asheville, I, I think in some ways that's even more true, right? We have a lot of very remote communities in Western North Carolina. Um, and not a lot of large employers in that area. Um, one interesting thing, recently I was doing some analysis of the areas the Asheville chapter covers and looking at some census data. And, and Joel, I think you'll be interested from what you said earlier, um, in our counties, uh, a lot of counties, 8% of the population works for an employer with 20 or fewer people as uh, you know, uh, uh, employer size, 20 or fewer, 8%. If you look at counties uh, up north of us, south of us, even counties that are still in Appalachia uh, on the other side of the border with uh, Kentucky and Tennessee, it's pretty common to see that number at four or five percent instead of seven or eight percent. Hmm. So you're saying that if I'm if I'm hearing you right, that in Appalachian communities, it's actually more common to be an entrepreneur than it is in a large city, or to be employed by a very small business. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You don't normally think of that when you, we think of, uh, <laughs> that's definitely not the stereotype that we're given of Appalachia is a, you know, kind of a, a community of small businesses and, and entrepreneurs really. And it seems to me too, you know, you mentioned it for this area and kind of the difference between um, smaller towns and also larger cities, but it does seem to me that there's also just a movement in general um, across our country towards entrepreneurship as a path to, you know, kind of living the American dream. It doesn't seem that there's as much opportunity to get to that point that we all think of, of being, you know, kind of the middle-class economically stable family without sort of having a side hustle or without going into business for yourself is, um, you know, yeah, I'm curious either your, your, either of your thoughts on that. I, uh, well, you know, I think maybe discussing the problems with the current labor market in this country might be a, a big topic for this call. Um, I think you're right. I think uh, 
uh, and I think it's for the reason that the labor market is uh, broken in a lot of ways, right? The, the way employers and employees are uh, mm. are working together, the pay scales. Um, so no, I, I for whatever reason, and that's one of them, uh, I agree. A lot of people I'm meeting have worked traditional full-time jobs and are now interested in starting their own job. You know, I think part of that may be a byproduct of, and this may be where you were headed with your comments, Mike, uh, a byproduct of how particularly in the service sector of the economy, employment works. You know, people have gone from being traditional employees now to being contractors in a lot of cases. Um, and the benefits of doing that are significantly less than being an employee in a lot of cases. So uh, I, I think in some, in some instances, these people are looking for a way to, you know, keep more of what they're actually earning for the, for the company for which they're working. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Tom. And, and along those lines, yeah, because one of the things about being a contractor is you don't get benefits, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons to have full-time employment is you get benefits. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind is the whole gig economy, right? One mm-hmm. of the challenges about being a, contra- a consultant, like running your own company, is you spend a lot of time looking for business, right? That's why full-time mm-hmm. employment's attractive to a lot of people. You get the job, you get paid every week. Um, so yeah, if you're going to have to keep hustling to find employers, then you might as well hustle to find your own customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I felt that way. It was a scary thing for me to move from being a traditional employee with a W-2 where I was working as a social worker. And you know, I also worked in restaurants like you guys talked about our service economy here. And I... I, you know, it was nice to know exactly how much I was going to make each and every week, mm-hmm. but there was also a limit to, and really kind of a ceiling on how far I could go up and I could move up. And when making that decision to go into business for myself, there was really one of two paths. I could either partner with, you know, some kind of company, which I ended up doing that had a model that I could follow. Or the op- the other opportunity is to, you know, kind of start something completely from scratch where you're having to figure out all of those tiny little things like you mentioned like figure out how to market i've never been a marketer before how to uh how to how to do operations how to do budgeting how to do the finance how to do everything um and that seems to me to be really where score steps in and creates um a bit of a an environment to give those resources to those people who are truly trying to get out there and bootstrap all of this on their own and having to go from a point where maybe they were working in a restaurant or in a, you know, in a service industry job, Gwendolyn Dare uh, Hagman comes to mind. She was working in a restaurant, decided she wanted to start making her own um, vegan cheese, which um, I've had vegan cheese before. It wasn't good, but this is amazing. It's actually really incredible. And she had to start, you know, she was making it out of the basement of a, of a restaurant that <laughs> was here in town uh, overnight while they were closed in order to get there. We have a lot of opportunity for service industry businesses to pop out of here. How does SCORE fit into that? And what what do you all do in order to help give those businesses the resources and the education they need to actually thrive? Because let's be real, most businesses don't succeed. You know, I don't know exactly what the numbers are. But, you know, most most businesses are closed within their first five years. How do uh, where do you all step in and how do you provide that support? One of the things we find for a lot of our clients who are starting businesses is that they're very good at what they do, um, but they're not very good at running a business yet. They, They just don't have the skills or the understanding to be able to do that because they haven't done it before in their careers. So part of what we do is 
is help people develop the skills they need to run a business you know, help them understand financial statements, help them put together a business plan, help them understand what it takes to secure financing. Um, you, you know, as they go to bring on employees, what does it take to properly bring on employees and, you know, treat your people fairly and stay within the bounds of the law. Um, so we do that, you know, with one-on-one -on -one mentoring, we'll sit down with the, with a small business when they come to us and kind of take them through the process of getting a business started and help them understand the skills that they need to have. Um, and then we also have a pretty broad range of seminar offerings where people can come in and learn certain skills like, uh, like bookkeeping or employee management or sales or things like that. Yeah. What you're saying reminds me of a, a book that I was recommended, um, a while back called the, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the, the E-Myth. I'm forgetting the, the author right now. Uh, I can look it up really quick, but yeah, by Michael uh, Gerber. And he talks about the E stands for entrepreneur myth. And the idea is that, you know, when someone starts off as an entrepreneur, he uses the example of a, of a, of a pie maker, someone who loves baking, they love making pies and they think, well, I'll go into business making pies for myself. And they think of themselves as the pie maker, but they really have to think of themselves and develop the skills, not of the person doing the work day to day, but of the business owner of the person actually running <laughs> the whole operation. Um, and most people don't, you know, that, that's a misconception. I think a lot of times when people get into business for themselves. Yeah, that, that book, and I'm just kind of bringing that up cause I've looked at it. It's, uh, uh, it is highly recommended by a few of our mentors. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a great view. Uh, I just wanted to bring up the table contents, make sure I remember, like you said, you start, people start as the technician because they love making pie or making pizza or whatever it is. Uh, but at some point you grow enough, you need to manage people, right? And then really what you need to focus on is not doing the work, but, but uh, building the business, the entrepreneur level. Yeah. And a lot of businesses fail because they can't take that step properly. You know, they can't mm -hmm. delegate properly. They can't develop the right internal processes to keep things running on time and things like that. Or they they misjudge the amount of working capital it's going to take to expand the business and they run out of money. And actually, I'll, I'll throw in, by the way, a lot of people fail in their full-time uh, careers doing their W-2 jobs for similar reasons. Right. Mm. If, if you're going to advance up an organization, you move from doing the frontline work to focusing on relating the manager work to focusing on building a good culture, the entrepreneur work. So uh, um, I think that book is also relevant, even if you're not in business for yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really a lot of times we think about those numbers for businesses failing. But, uh, you know, I think I failed at three of my four <laughs> jobs I had, honestly. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I, okay, yeah, me too. Um, I've learned some things the hard way, or, or not. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, and I don't remember the exact statistics, but anytime it's quoted, like you know, X percent of businesses fail within five years. I, I'm not sure they fail. Right. In fact, I'm sure not all of those closures should be considered a failure. Um, mm. The 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 people that, you know. I know multiple people who have run multiple businesses over the years, right? So the owners may have decided to pivot. Um, it may have filled a need for a while and then their circumstances changed. Maybe they had, you know, kids and they decided they wanted easier health care. Um, so I, I, I think to your point, Joel, sometimes just keeping a job for five years is a success, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a particular job. 
Um, you know, if that business worked for you for five years, I think moving on isn't a sign of failure. It's a sign you're moving on. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I think we wrap up, at least I shouldn't say we, I should say I. <laughs> I wrap up a lot of self-worth in, you know, the the ups and downs of of my business or of my job. And at the end of the day, it's all just a transition to something else. You know, it's never, it's, uh, you know, what's the, there's a motivational speaker who said, you know, it's not over till I win, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, having a, having a little bit of that is a, is a good thing. So one thing I wanted to hone in on was you said the mentorship program. I know that you guys do supporting for small local independent businesses in a lot of ways, but it seems like the mentorship is really the the heart of it. Am I, am I right in that? You are. Uh, I think that's where we have the most impact. Um, you, you know, it, it, we were just talking a moment ago about businesses failing. One of the things I think that we, one of the valuable services we provide is we help people who are starting a business understand whether or not they're ready to start a business. Mm-hmm. Um, because, if, you know, if you haven't thought through all the issues and you don't really understand the working capital you need to get a business off the ground, you can waste a lot of your personal money. Um, I had a client once who went out and bought $30,000 worth of equipment out of his retirement account without having built a business plan. Um, And fortunately, it didn't end badly, but it could have. Um, So that that one-on-one mentoring is critical in helping people make sure they're ready to start a business. And then once they're in the business, it's basically somebody who's there to kind of hold your hand and help you do things. We don't do the work for businesses. What we do is to try to help businesses develop the skills that they need to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, I think um, what Tom describes is not uncommon. I, 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 you know, I couldn't count um, the number of times where the first value I've delivered, or I think we deliver, is, is, you know, Warren Buffett likes to talk about keep some powder dry, Mm -hmm. right? if you can afford to fail and pivot um, and, and go, then you're in a good position. But, but you want to make sure you don't get in a spot where, as Tom mentioned, you spent all your money, right? And now you can't fix it. So, yeah, we do run into people. Um, the way I think about it, I know I'm meandering a little here. The way I think about it, sometimes people focus on what they see how to do instead of what they need to do. Hmm. So they'll start spending money for a web designer or a marketing plan, or as Tom mentions, equipment, because they can see how to spend money, right? (laughs) Society helps us see how to spend money. Um, What they need to do is validate their market or their their product. And and that's a fuzzier job. So it's easier to procrastinate. Yeah, we have a surprising number of clients who come in um, who really couldn't tell you what their ideal customer is and why that person would buy from them. And I'm not faulting them because, you know, they've had experience in their prior careers and stuff they've made where they, you know, where they have a belief that a market exists for something like that. But, but you really do need to do the analysis to figure out how big the market is, what you can sell a product for, and what you can expect in return for that. Yeah, and I want to make sure, because I don't know how this might come across on a recording later, right? I'm not, um, I'm not in any way trying to be judgmental about people that are working to advance. That's that. That's a normal process, and that's what mentors help with, whether it's SCORE or any of a number of other groups that provide similar services, um, help you think through these things. Um, Yeah, and so when we're thinking about thinking through things, so I kind of want to pause with that there. You mentioned that one of the first things that you all do is when someone is coming with a business idea, you first suss out 
you know, is this actually a viable business plan? Now you mentioned, is there a market for the product or service, which I think is obviously key. What else needs to go into that decision? Like if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, man, I kind of have this business idea, but I'm not really sure where to start to figure out if this is something I should pursue or not. What should I, what's my checklist? You know, what should I be going through to figure out if this is something that I should move in the next step with, or if it's something I should maybe, you know, retool and think differently about? Yeah. With my clients, I think I tend to think of it in three different areas. The first one is, you know, why should somebody buy your product and how are you going to promote it to them? You need to have a good story for why somebody should buy from you. The next step in the process is if you're getting a business started, how much money is it going to take me to get the business started, you know, lease the storefront, buy some equipment, whatever. And in addition to that, how much additional working capital am I going to need to support the business until it turns profitable? And then the last thing you need to be able to understand is at what point, you know, what level of product sales or service delivery do you have to accomplish in order for your business to break even? Because what you've got to be able to do then is figure out how you're going to get to that point and beyond that point so your business actually can become profitable. So if you can understand those three things, then you're, you're on your way to getting a business started. Yeah, Mike, I'd love to hear uh, your 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 take on that too. What do you what do you uh, ask as the kind of the primary questions? Well, you know, in, in part, I think the challenge is there isn't just one way or one thing you need to think about. Kind of to Tom's point, um, you know, and, and and I'm glad you asked that question because we have a class on that called "How to Start a Small Business" mm. um, that breaks it down into four categories with ten topics total between those four. And I think you have to give some thought to all of them, right? You don't, different situations mean you have to spend um, different amounts of focus on uh, each one, um, but, uh, but you can't ignore any of them. Like to Tom's point, um, finance, right? Now, if you happen to have a, you know, you're, you have a spouse or a partner who's, who's established the living wage for your household, you know, you can afford to take a lot of chances and not worry so much about planning things out and see where it goes. Um, if you're trying to open a restaurant where you're turning your retirement, you know, your 401k into your restaurant, yeah, you better really think that through. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, but it, it, you, you can't get away with, it, you only have a business if you have a value proposition that people will pay for. So you, you really can't get away from looking at your product value proposition and your market. Yeah. Well, I am excited to dig in further with you guys on this. This is a two-part episode, so um, we're going to take a quick break here and get back into our conversation. And the second half of this is going to air a week from today. Um, and this will be part of a two-part conversation where we're going to dig in a lot further. So please join us next time here on the Mindful Marketplace with Tom and Mike from SCORE Mentors. I'm really excited to get to continue that conversation with them. Um, you can listen to this episode as well as guests of uh, guests and hosts that are all entrepreneurs right here on bizradio.us. Um, you can also go to mindfulmarketplaceshow.com to listen to all the back episodes of this show, as well as connect with me personally on debt elimination services. And I would love to connect with you however we can. So um, you can check out our events and everything else there on the website. So join us next time here, same place, same time next week. And until then, please, everyone out there, take care of yourself and take care of someone else. 
Thank you for listening. If you liked what you just heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit bizradio.us to find hundreds of other engaging conversations, local events, and more.